0: Well, indeed, on on this occasion of this baptism service, and before we go downstairs and witness these baptisms, I do want to spend just a few moments thinking about the meaning and importance of baptism. It's good for us to do this occasionally because the Bible often calls us to learn from our baptism. This act of immersing a person in water as the means of publicly identifying with Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what baptism is. Remember, this is the act that Jesus himself commanded us to do in making disciples or followers of Christ. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't have time this morning to say everything about the meaning and significance of baptism. There is a lot. So instead, I'd like to focus just mainly on one verse one verse that will help bring out, elucidate at least some of the meaning and importance of this ordinance of water baptism. And that verse is found in the book of Galatians. So if you have a Bible, as always, you can, you can follow me there. You can open to the book of Galatians. I will put this text up on the screen in just a moment so you can see it there also. But it's Galatians chapter 3, and verse 27 is the verse, but I'm going to read Just the surrounding verses for a little bit of context here this morning. So listen to to Paul as he writes these words. It's on the screen also. For through faith, you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now if that text sounds a little bit familiar to you, if you've been with us, we did look at this these verses, and in fact, chapter three, in quite a bit more detail, in our series on men and women that we finished here at the beginning of the summer especially on the meaning of verse 28, as we thought of what it means that there's neither male or female. And in that message, we spent a considerable amount of time on the context and developing the context of Galatians 3. I'm not going to repeat all that this morning, but just this one note, as far as broad context of what Paul is writing. He's writing this letter to these Christians, these churches in this region of Galatia, who are mostly Gentiles, that is, non-Jewish people. And he's writing this letter primarily to combat the spiritually deadly influence of Jewish false teachers who are trying to teach these Christians, these mostly Gentiles, that circumcision and law keeping were necessary for their salvation. In addition to believing in Jesus, yes, you must believe in Jesus. In addition, then you must be circumcised and come under the law in order to be saved. And Paul is really angry in this letter because he says that's a false gospel. That's not the good news. And so his theme in this letter is that this salvation is by faith in Christ alone. Nothing added, not circumcision, not law keeping, and that is true for both Jews And Gentile people. It doesn't matter your ethnicity or race. And in chapter three, he argues that the law, the Mosaic law, which was from God, was never given for salvation. It had a different purpose in God's redemptive history. And now, what Christ has come, it is through faith in Christ and what he has done. That we are saved. That we have full inheritance in the people of God or the seed of Abraham, he says. We inherit the promises because of Christ. And what circumcision in the Old Testament pointed to, Christ has fulfilled on the cross. He makes us new. He's taken our sin away. All we need is Christ, faith in Christ. So that's what Paul is arguing. And when he comes to our text now, look there. I'll keep it on the screen. Verse 26 as he's arguing this, he gets to a really important statement as he's trying to show. Indeed, it's all in Christ. He says, notice there, for through faith you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. He's still arguing. For, and he emphasizes all. In fact, it's the first word in, in Greek. All. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter if you're slave or free. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. All, irregardless, who through faith are in Christ Jesus, you are sons of God. So it's through faith. It comes back to that theme. It is through faith, and it is faith alone. It's not law keeping. That's how you are a son of God. And you are sons of God, he says, through faith, all of you. Hmm. We have this relationship to God as children. And he is our father. All that enmity and estrangement has been removed by Christ. And now we are part of the family. And the reason he stresses in this context sons of God is because he's thinking of an inheritance. That we receive this salvation, blessing, inheritance that was promised to Abraham. Inheritance in this culture passed through sons. So it doesn't matter if you're male or female. You're all sons in that legal sense That you have this salvation inheritance that's ultimately coming in Christ. We're related to God as his children. But I want you to notice the last three little words of that verse. You are sons of God in Christ Jesus. Do you see those words? In Christ Jesus. We are in Christ. Faith Unites us to Jesus, to Christ. We are united to Christ. We have this union with Christ, how God sees us. We are one with Him. We identify with Him. We are in Christ. That's how we are sons of God. Christ is the Son. He's the seed of Abraham. And by faith we are in Christ. We become sons of God. That little phrase, in Christ Jesus, is... Probably Paul's favorite phrase to describe Christians. Paul never uses the word Christian. Do you know that? This is his description. He loves, you are in Christ Jesus. That is, Christian, your most fundamental identity that you have. Do you know that? You are united to Christ. It's all his work. We are united to Christ in his work by faith. Paul uses a form of that phrase over 170 times in his letters. In Christ. Every spiritual blessing we have, every salvation blessing, is because of our union in Christ. I think it's that idea, that in Christ, is what leads Paul to mention baptism. So look at verse 27. That's what he does. He's going to explain it more. So all of you who, through faith are sons of God in Christ Jesus for, and then he's going to explain, all of you who were baptized into Christ, there's that language again, have clothed yourselves with Christ. So here he brings up baptism. So let's just think for just a couple moments on Paul's use of baptism in this context. All right? I'm going to give you just two things. There are a lot of things we can say about baptism. I'm going to give you two. Again, I think he goes to baptism. Why does he mention baptism? the only time in the whole letter that he brings up baptism. I think it's because of this union with Christ that's so essential that we are in Christ Jesus that leads Paul to refer to baptism. And he's referring, I believe, to our water baptism. Here's the two uses of Paul baptism. Number 1. He uses it as a synonym for conversion or salvation. It's a synonym for conversion or salvation, coming to Christ, believing on Christ, being saved. Paul uses it this way many times in his letter, and so do the other writers. It's a shorthand way of saying you're a Christian, you've been baptized. So note this, a couple notes under this, Christians are those who have, quote, been baptized into Christ. Do you see it there in verse 27? Verse 26, he says, through faith, you're in Christ Jesus. Verse 27, all who are baptized are into Christ, right? All of you who are baptized are baptized into Christ Jesus. You have clothed yourselves with Christ. So again, it's Paul's shorthand way of designating Christians in our salvation. If he just wants to refer to our salvation in kind of one word, baptism is the word he goes for. And I think it's one of the best words. We'll see why. So Paul's just assuming here that all of his believing readers have been baptized. And so you can just refer to their baptism. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Why can Paul do that? Here's a second note. In the Bible, the New Testament... Baptism is always the decisive, outward way of responding to the gospel. It's the way you respond to the gospel. It's the outward, decisive way of responding to the gospel. It's part of, in the Bible, what we would call the conversion experience. Faith, repentance, reception of the Holy Spirit, water baptism. Those things... Hang together. And in the New Testament, they're not separated. They're all part of conversion. So Paul could just refer to one of those, baptism, to stand for the whole. It's always the decisive way of responding. Repent and be baptized, believe and be baptized. Now, in the New Testament, all the baptisms that we have that are recorded for us were on the same day as believing in Christ. So even time-wise, they were just together, right? Now, that differs, different cultures, different reasons for maybe time delays between believing in Christ and baptism, but Paul could just refer to this because it was so connected with conversion. Now, that brings up this question, what is the relationship between faith and baptism? Because I said he's using them almost as a synonym. Again, if you look at verse 26, he says, it's through faith you're all sons of God in Christ Jesus. And then verse 27, you're baptized into Christ Jesus. Baptism is assuming faith, but what's the relationship between faith and baptism? Well, that's what I'm trying to say here. Baptism is the outward expression of faith. It is the outward confession of Christ. And in that sense, it's not different than faith. It's the outward display of faith. Baptism... Quote, one author is where faith goes public. Can't see your faith, but you believe in your heart. Where do you see your faith? Baptism. Baptism is where faith goes public. It makes faith visible. It's the outward confession of our faith. That's why they're always together. Now, let me be clear. As Paul is very clear in this letter, faith alone saves You don't add circumcision to it. And you don't add baptism in the sense of baptism being saving. Like there's something magical in those waters that saves us. Faith alone unites us to Christ. Faith alone saves. Baptism does not save. But baptism is inseparable from saving faith as its outward expression. That's why they're always together. So almost every time I teach on baptism, I use this analogy of a wedding ring. You've probably heard me say this in the past. An analogy to baptism. In a wedding, it's the vow. People take vows before witnesses to become man and wife, and they symbolize and seal those vows with a ring. That's not the ring that makes you married. The ring is an outward seal or symbol of those vows. Baptism is the outward expression of our faith. It's not the baptism that saves, but it is always connected with saving faith. Always. So I would encourage you this morning, If you have believed on Christ and have not expressed that outwardly, publicly through baptism, you need to be baptized. That's the command of Jesus. Now, we might ask, why immersion in water? Why is that the outward expression of our faith? Now, there's lots of things we could say about this ordinance or rite of baptism. Certainly, right on the surface is the image of repentance and cleansing Cleansing from our sin, right? And newness. But there's something deeper that Paul is going at here that is the uniqueness of Christian baptism. And it's in that little phrase again, look at verse 27, for you were all baptized into Christ. It's that union. So here's the second use of baptism by Paul. Number two, a symbol of union with Christ. A symbol of union with Christ. This, I believe, is the most profound reality that baptism outwardly expresses. Immersion in water communicates union and identification with Christ. We have been united to Christ. Baptism expresses that. So note this. We have been united to Christ in what way? We have been united to Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. We've been united to Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Now, Paul doesn't spell that out here. It's implied in that in Christ language. He does spell that out in other places. Romans 6, Colossians 2, you can read those. So that part of this union with Christ is that we are actually united in his death, burial, and resurrection. Our old self is dead and it's buried. It's crucified. And we have been raised to newness of life in Christ. Not by our efforts, but by our faith placing us in union with Christ. So that when Christ died, God reckons we died to sin. We were buried. And when Christ is risen, we were raised to newness of life. That's the union. It's all Christ's work. So baptism, get it, is not an act of self-reformation it's not just, well, I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm gonna I'm gonna try harder from this point on. No, baptism is all about the work of Christ and our union with Christ in his complete, finished work. We're united to Christ. That's why this symbol of baptism is so appropriate. Because as people are immersed into water and raised up again, they are symbolizing that union with Christ in his death and burial. Their old self is dead and gone. It's buried and they have been raised up with Christ to newness of life. Now again, as I said, Paul doesn't specify all those details of our union, but he does give the effects of that union in this next phrase. Do you see it? Verse 27, for all who were baptized in the Christ have clothe yourselves with Christ. What an image. You've clothed yourselves with Christ. That's another way of expressing this union with Christ, this identification with Christ. But here he kind of reverses the image, not just that we're in Christ, but Christ is on us, (laughs) over us. We have put on Christ. What an image. So just note this. We have put on Christ as a garment covering us, symbolizing our new spiritual existence and identity. Isn't that a beautiful picture? You are clothed with Christ. If you're baptized into Christ, you're clothed with Christ. It's as if our old, filthy, dirty clothes in the baptism are not just cleaned up a little bit, (laughs) no, they're stripped off, and they're dead, and they're buried, and when you come up out of the water, so to speak, your new clothing is Christ himself, isn't that amazing, you're clothed with Christ, you have put on Christ, Paul uses that language elsewhere, put on, Your, your translation might say, you put on Christ, same idea, you put on, put on clothes, Clothed with Christ. He uses that put on, put off language in other places to refer to our old self, who we were before Christ. We are put that off in our new self, who we are created in Christ. Put on and put, put off. Well, here, that new identity is Christ himself. We are actually clothed with Christ. His holiness, his righteousness, his life, his risen life. That's who we are. That's our new clothes. So that's our new identity. That's our new existence. That's how God sees you if you're in Christ. And that's not just some nice image. That's actually a reality because we are being conformed to the very image of the Son. We are sons being conformed to the image of the Son so that when He appears, we will be like Him. We'll be Conformed to his image. And that happens. That begins to happen at conversion. We're clothed with Christ himself. Do you know that? That's what baptism speaks. Such a beautiful picture. Old self, dead and buried, rise, risen, clothed with Christ in newness. So I, I just close with this, this implication. Baptism tells you who you are. Christian, it tells you who you are. It conveys our fundamental identity and unity as those who are in Christ. That's why the Bible often, as Paul is doing here, he's he's pointing them back to your, he's trying to teach them from their baptism. Your baptism says something about you. That's why it's good for us as a church to witness baptism again and to think on it because it, it conveys our most fundamental identity. It's who you are. You are in Christ. You are clothed with Christ. Verse 28, he says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. That is, this identity of being clothed with Christ is more fundamental than your ethnicity, than your social standing, and Even your gender. Now, we saw how important gender is in 18 messages, but there's a more profound reality about you, Christian. You are clothed with Christ. And that is ultimate, so that in the church, these other distinctions don't ultimately exist compared with that great reality of who we are in Christ. We have the equal standing before God, regardless of who you are, regardless of your background, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your education or your social standing. He uses these pairs, Jew-Greek, slave-free, male-female. Those, those pairs were the most far-reaching distinctions in this culture. And he said, those those don't count now in the sense that you are clothed with Christ. And it's not only our equal standing, but our unity. Do you see it? You are one in Christ Jesus. That's who we are. Do you see each other like that? You look at your fellow believer in the church. Do you see them clothed with Christ? That's who they are. Before anything else, and more fundamentally, they're in Christ. They're clothed with Christ. Christ. That's what promotes this great unity in the church. So that's the beautiful symbol of baptism. Again, I want to encourage you, if you haven't been baptized since coming to faith in Christ, talk to us. We'd love to talk to you about baptism. If you have not come to faith in Christ, if you're not in Christ Jesus this morning through faith, I want to encourage you, confess your sins to Christ and repent and believe on Christ as your Savior. It is through that faith in Christ that you are part of this family and reconciled to god i'm going to pray for us and for these and then we're going to sing and then we'll transition downstairs Mm. oh father thank you for this beautiful and great reality that we are clothed with christ himself all our unrighteousness and sin is dead it's buried under that water And we are safe in Christ, raised to newness of life, and we have put on Christ himself. Help us to walk in that identity always. As these 11 take this step, Lord, give them grace now to testify of Christ and to identify with him. May we rejoice in the gospel this morning. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.